Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Welcome to the Queer Body. I am so excited for today. We are launching the Queer Body website at the end of the week for people who are interested in becoming members and seeing all of the content there. We are going to do a promo, which I don't know what it is because that's not my genre, (laughs) but with the first um, month or 30 days or something, we'll be doing free memberships or free class or free complimentary coaching. So I encourage you to go check out our website at thequeerbody.com. And today I have a friend and a colleague, Sonia, and I'm so excited to have them with us. I'm going to read you their bio. Sonia Cook is also known as SJ and is a certified Ayurvedic practitioner and somatic body worker with over two decades of experience. They've worked with a wide variety of individuals, both clinically and as an educator. SJ is also certified yoga instructor, sound magician, and their most recent endeavor is relational coaching. Sonia is a skilled collaborator with a passion for community, arts, and well-being, and they particularly love serving their community and feeling, creating, returning, and stabilizing connection is both a natural and radical action to paving a harmonious path forward in humanity and the more than the human world. With that, I introduce you to my friend and colleague, Sonia. Hi. Hi, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to see you today. It's so good to see you now that you are in more than one place. (laughs) Sonia's been in California for a long time, so I get to see her at dances and events and performances because they're also an amazing performer. Mm, But now you're up in Portland. You're in Portland today, right? I am in Portland today and yeah, we actually got some sunshine today, which is awesome and kind of trying it out. Yeah. And (laughs) thanks for letting us have all the cold and rain down here in NorCal. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Don't mind at all. (laughs) So for people who are just tuning into the audio, uh, Sonia is lifting up her gay as fuck cup and having a sip. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) I love this cup so much. (laughs) So, Sonia, I want to start with what does it mean to be queer to you? Hmm. Thank you for asking. I've been contemplating that a lot often. I think I think there's there's uh, multiple points of that that question and multiple layers of that answer. I think when I think of the, the word queer, it feels very much like living life on my own terms. Mm -hmm. Um, and really getting up, getting to, to show up to who I am. And I, I personally also relate queer to my sexual identity, gender identity, but I also sometimes separate the two as well, because when I think of myself, like I love the word gay for myself personally, it, it makes me smile and, and, and feel joyful. Um, but so I, I, I 
personally associate queer a little bit more broadly than sexual identity or um, gender identity for myself, but really just like also the way I think, the way I live my life. And that it's just like a constant turning in and checking in of, of desiring to do that as most, as the most authentically as I can. Well, let's unpack some of that because it's fun. Um, yeah. Like, what does it mean to be gay? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> it just fun. makes you happy. You're gay. Yeah, gay is fun. Yeah. It makes me happy. Um, I mean, it, and I guess that that could mean like, you know, what are my sexual desires or, um, you know, for me, I've always had like a propensity or more of a um, attraction towards um people the same anatomy as myself um and um and really relish in the relational components of that Mm -hmm. um so I guess that's a little piece for me um and I think the word gay for me also um it feels like my essence like there's something in that that just like my essence wise just feels uh like lifted when when I connect to that word and that identity in myself. It's so funny because you know I think I'm a little bit older than you, although I don't really know. We might be similar, but you I actually, think you're yeah, I think you're a little older than me. Maybe 10 years? I don't know. I'm 43. Yeah, yeah. 55. Yeah. Well 55 <laughs> in June. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm early dating myself. But I always thought of gay as, as my, and I mean this with all the love and respect for my fags. Yeah. I, I never think about as a woman claiming the term gay. It was like the boys are gay. And then I had to be a dyke and I, I certainly didn't want to be a dyke. That was not my thing. So that's okay. So for me, I was never like, oh yeah, gay. So yeah. it's wonderful to hear you reclaim it. And particularly yeah. being such a joyous human, it suits you well. Well, and also I think, you know, I, I love that you, that you brought that in because, um, and, and a lot of identities suit me. Dyke feels good at times. Honestly, sometimes my identity feels good depending on the context in which it's, it's being held or what's in the room, um, at times, you know, um, and, um, but growing up a lot of my adolescent years, um, you know, gays, fags, whatever the identification at that time was, were a, a huge part of my formative community um, and a huge part of my mom's community. So I, you know, I think that um, that probably has also um, shaped some of my own identifications. So then, what as is well. the delineation between gay and queer? So you, you know, you're kind of separating them. Yeah. I'd love to hear how they separate for you. I think for, for myself and yeah, yeah. I know that it can be such a personal individual um, experience of identification. I think for myself, when I think of the difference between queer and gay, when I think of gay for myself, I'm, I'm really leaning more towards my sexuality. Mm-hmm. When I think of queer for myself, I think I'm really leaning more towards um, my thinking 
or my mindset, um, or yeah, like the, the, the very non-traditional ways that I tend to live my life. Um, yeah. I really and, like that. So how does one think queer teach us, oh guru? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. What is queer I mean, thinking? <laughs> um, I mean, that could be, you know, that could be um, like, hmm, that could be inclusion inquiry. That could be social justice. That could be um, choosing pathways other than like nuclear structure and relationship or, um, you know, an example of that for me is, uh, friendships hold as strong of affection to me oftentimes as say loverships. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there, there are different ways in which we connect, but, but the love itself is not different mm-hmm. per se. Um, and, um, or the way I connect to the more than human world, you know, like, I mean, you know, trees and flowers and plants, you know, these are all friends. They're not just like, you know, something that was just placed here happenstance or, you know, just for humans to only take pleasure in. I think they also receive pleasure and nurturance and things. So I think it's like it queer feels now that I'm talking about it, like quite relational to me mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and I also really appreciate the the term and identification as queer just in like a broader, a broader context, um, kind of somewhere on the spectrum of where individuals um, identify. And I, I think that like can um, can be really helpful at times, uh, in groups, um, where, uh, people can just like really be them themselves. Um, I think it's a really important distinguishing factor because for me, one of the reasons I started the whole podcast is that at, in my fifties, the definition of queer has changed radically in the 30 years. Oh my gosh. And it's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, really crazy to me that I can walk into Target and buy queer paraphernalia. I mean, it literally says queer on it. I'm like, what the heck happened here that um, it's become commodified? And so every person that's been on this show so far has really talked about it as edge surfing. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the places where we can define ourselves, where we can unhook ourselves from dominant cultural paradigms. Yes. And um, define ourselves for ourselves. And I think that that is, for me as well, the essence of being queer is yeah. not having to follow all the checkboxes of whatever label. Um, and I love, I think you're probably the first person who's, you know, that's not true. You're one of the few people who've brought in the connection to nature. Mm. And your relationship to nature is part of your queer um, identity. Mm-hmm. Um I, I like this part of it being relational and I like that, you know, I'm a Gemini, so I like the separation out of, oh, the gay's my sexuality and the queer's my thinking. Um, and maybe some hybrid in between is true. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought the piece of what queer once meant and how that um, is, is, is shifting and changing over time. And I, I actually think that's a really big piece. Um, I remember, you know, taking queer literature 
at um, the community college. And, you know, in that class, there were, there were multiple generations and um, it was really interesting to see how the term queer uh, landed for different people, particularly in different generations. And I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes, sometimes I pull those two apart because, um, because I also think it's really important to in as queer has become like such a more broad, um, identity in certain ways. Um, it's really important to, for me to also be mindful of how someone walks through the world, how someone is perceived walking through the world, um, what that can mean for different individuals of different identities. And, um, so yeah, I think, um, I think that's also sometimes why I can tend to pull the two apart. Um, and I also love, um, going back to the nature pieces I mean, nature has been one of the biggest allies for me in my own gender and sexuality and queer exploration. I feel like I've learned everything from the more than human world um, about or, or so much about who I feel myself to be because it used to be such a derogatory term mm-hmm. and it used to really mean. Um, you know, that, that, um, someone's like, you know, freedom, someone's, um, lifestyle, you know, was, was very at jeopardy. And it still is that in, in many places. Um, and so I think as the, the word queer for me continues to expand in its capacity, which I think is super beautiful, I think sometimes it's just um, I have to come back to center and and really be mindful of how someone walks through the world, someone how someone is perceived walking through the world, what that means for someone's freedoms or um, uh, um, safety or all of these things, um, and 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 for myself. So I I think that there are differentiations there as well. Um, because, uh, you know, um, some, I think, you know, there are, depending on what even someone looks like or something, they can be perceived very differently. And I think that that's a a really sacred thing to hold and be mindful of. Mm -hmm. Um, and also just circling back to the nature pieces, I just feel like nature is, I just learned so much about myself through nature. It has been one of my greatest allies in my gender journey and sexuality journey and queer journey so far. Um, I just, I learned so much from the more than human world about Mm -hmm. myself. You know, that sounds really queer. I'll just say it straight across. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, what, how do you learn about Yeah, right? Gay as fuck. Um, so, how the heck would you learn about your gender through seaweed? I mean, what are you talking about? Can you break that down? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm too practical for that. Well, I, I think, like, um, 
when I really started tuning more into my non-human friends and allies was through, was a very, very, very challenging, traumatic time in my, my life. Um, and, um, I just, I would just observe them. I would like, you know, observe like their different shapes and, and, um, features and characteristics and the feelings that arose, you know, when like, you know, leaves kind of move and tickle you or something. And, um, I think I just started really exploring just like the bigger spectrum or, um, dynamic spaces in myself. Like, oh, I am like so much more than like she or what that means in like this, like more dominant box. Um, and so, yeah, I think it just, it really started getting me because I don't, I don't like look at a tree in that way. Um, I look at a tree in a really dynamic way. Um, and so I started looking at myself more dynamically and then started looking at other humans more dynamically, you know, just kind of like, oh, wow, you're so much more than just like that one identity that's like slapped on us when we're born. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's that. So that, that was um. so beautifully said, Sonia. I really, <laughs> it really is incredible to me, like that that is where queer is going to. And, mm-hmm. it, and for me, you know, that is where it almost started was just that I couldn't fit into the lesbian box at all. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't willing to try. And so then it opened up everything. And then as we open up everything, that is where the practitioner piece comes in for me. Yeah. Because once we're we're undone from our boxes and we just get to be who we are, how are we with ourselves? And mm. so, of course, that brings me to the like, hey, you're a practitioner and in he- in healer, which for mm. me, queer and healers, I mean, my whole podcast is queer healers. <laughs> so I go, they go together because we are unbound. We've unbound mm. ourselves from these boxes into mm. these places of, outside of societal norms, which is phenomenal for healing. So talk to me a little bit about that piece for you. Like as a healer, Mm. how does that tie in? Mm. Well, what really rises for me when you ask that question is, I think that the more I unbind myself and am able to see myself the more I can see that in someone else. Um, and, and I think right there, that creates a really um, beautiful relationship um, in that. So that, that ability, because I feel like really in like the healing arts, I mean, I'm not, doing anything to heal anyone per se. I'm, I'm giving someone the space to, to unwind, to, um, settle, to like have a deeper inquiry inward. Um, and so I think the doing that work and the continuation of doing that work, you know, people, people tend to feel that. And there's, there can oftentimes be a comfort and ease in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I really do, 
you know, in like my Ayurvedic practice, oftentimes it is a lot of consultation and kind of like Q and A and kind of detective work. And, you know, oftentimes someone's coming with a specific imbalance or inquiry and, you know, there's, there's herbs, there's foods, there's practices, there's, there's so many things on a very like human material level that, um, you know, you can run with. Um, but then I think there's also, um, just this, this thing that happens between practitioner and client that the more I regulate myself, the more I unwind myself, the more that gives someone else permission to, to do that. So it's almost like a tuning in. Um, and it's not, really me, I feel like they're tuning into it's, it's more me holding like almost a permissive space so that they can really tune into themselves, or at least that's, that's my deepest love of working in like a practitioner client environment is I get so excited to, you know, be in, um, that journey with someone's own like self-discovery and self-empowerment. Um, I so get what you're saying. And um, I just going to be frank in conversation because we can do that together. That's the point of yeah. this for me. Yeah. Is that that's when it starts to sound like woo-woo. <laughs> and people are like, what the heck are you talking about? And so what I'd like to just kind of play with with you mm-hmm. is that like it's almost been easier for people to unhook from the dominant paradigms around gender around yeah. sexuality than it is from to unbind from the Western medical model. A hundred percent. Well, but so then here we are on this podcast mm-hmm. and, you know, like, I don't know if our listeners even know what Ayurvedic is, right? Yeah. So we, 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 and some people will, and some people won't, mm-hmm. but I think this idea, um, there's this bridge from what you were talking about with the queerness mm-hmm. and from being a practitioner, um, for holding space for people to feel themselves that I think is a little bit rough because our whole society and our whole patterning is indoctrinated in believing that we turn our bodies over like a lump of meat. Absolutely. Somebody fixes you. Absolutely. So how do you, how do you make that bridge? You know, like I don't, I personally, I don't want to come into a room where you're playing a sound bowl and holding space for me. Do something. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell? That's what well, are you but, doing? But I think for some people that really is doing something. I sure. think it it is a matter of of client. And I think as a practitioner, you know, that's and that's something I I I feel very skilled at is, you know, kind of um reading a room or reading the the um a client and like, I mean, with Ayurveda, it's always based on, you know, we're, we're co-creating a program or, or a system or, you know, um, looking at an outcome that we, we would like to see or a client wants to see and like, okay, how can we carve that out into sim- simple, oftentimes very simple steps to like move towards that outcome. But I think, um, I think that there is a lot of power in having those conversations because I agree with you. Most, most people that I have seen, um, it has been indoctrined into most of us to turn our bodies over. 
and to not know that we have an inner authority and an inner sovereignty towards our own well-being. Um, I think it can look very different per client. Um, Without a doubt. You know, like if someone comes in and they have a really disruptive, disrupted nervous system or something like that, you know, I, I, I would use sound healing with them just to, you know, get them maybe just in a place where the body feels settled enough to even start to hear those like internal impulses or those that like um, internal confidence or something, you know? Um, Do you bridge that, Sonia? I mean, if we're talking about like this bridge in the queer world and, mm -hmm. you know, starting, you know, I even she'd you once, they, them, like this whole, like we're, we're walking in this gray world here. Yeah. And when we're walking in the gray world, and I feel like with the healing modalities particular, you know, so how how would you teach me? My nervous system's really jangled. I think playing this flute over you is going to change it. And I'm going, what the hell? Where's my ibuprofen? Like, right? Right. like how do you make right. that bridge personally? Well, I think mean, I like that question. Um, one is I, I do my best not to shame what somebody's already doing. So, you know, if someone comes in and they are seeing me for a consultation and they have this symptom and this symptom and this symptom, I'm going to automatically, one, ask them if they know what Ayurveda is or what they think Ayurveda is. Right. Um, And I'm going to ask them what they're already doing, Um, you know, what they've been trying. And then, well, what is working? Do you know what isn't working? And in those questions, I think one, there's a bridging of like, okay, this practitioner sitting in front of me isn't automatically going to this, well, you shouldn't be doing that. Because I I think right there, like Mm -hmm. the conversation has already stopped. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it's also having them turn their inquiry inward and be like, huh, like, well, what is working? And like, what isn't working? Well, it's not whatever's working isn't working necessarily quite the way I want it to, because I'm still needing to seek, like I'm still seeking something else to like balance this issue or something like that. So I think really, really practicing meeting somebody where they are is so, so important. Um, You know, and if, if someone comes in and I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting conversation for me because I, I think health can take so many different forms and I don't actually think it's always about diet and, and eating the right things and this and that, but just to be like, you know, very more clinical or precise, like if someone comes in and they are having say gallstones or liver issues or, you know, a gamut of things and you know, I, I, we start having conversation and I say, well, what does your diet look like? And they're like, well, you know, I eat McDonald's five times a week, you know? And I'm like, okay, you know, I can see how that's going to potentially lead to the symptoms that you're like, um, that you're sharing with me. I'm not going to go right into it and be like, well, you shouldn't do that. You should do this. 
We're going to start having a conversation about like things that you could bring in. What do the other aspects of your life look like? Um, Do you, you know, do you get exercise? Like, um, does your home feel joyful and safe? Like, you know, so we're going to be having a lot of different conversations about someone as a whole person. And I think that that right there is for me, the biggest difference that I've seen in like the Westernized medical complex and like, um, holistic medicine is that you are looking at a whole person and you're, you're aiming to work with someone in a holistic way, in a whole way, not just like one little, like, we'll take that piece out and everything's going to be fine. But you're really like, well, how, how do we get you living the life you want to live and the lifestyle that you want to live is really more the question. I totally get you on that. And I'm going to challenge you on that because mm-hmm. I think it's a queer holistic healing model. I don't, I, I think that um, one of the people that I really like her book, Carrie Kelly wrote a book called Detox America, mm-hmm. America Detox. Um, and she's talking about the wellness industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's become memes of naturopaths doing the mm-hmm. exact same thing of, well, if you just spend $5,000 on these nutraceuticals, which is not pharmaceuticals, but they're all supplements, then you'll be well. Mm-hmm. And so the the idea, the paradigm of the Western industrial complex, if I do these yoga poses, which, you know, you know quite a bit about, then I will be well. If I do all the right new agey things, then I'll be well, as opposed to the queerifying of that in my mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. of of looking at, hey, eat McDonald's. I'm glad you're eating McDonald's five days a week. Let's talk about how that does affect your liver or not. Mm-hmm. What, what can we do here that's going to make you feel more whole mm-hmm. as opposed to assuming that it's going to be, let me make a lot of money off my nutraceuticals. Mm-hmm. So I think there is this piece that you're speaking to that I really want to pull out, which is that one, let's not shame people. Let's celebrate where they are. Mm-hmm. And then let's look at their whole being and look at where they are in their emotional body, in their physical body, in their spiritual body, in their biochemical body, which is, you know, what they're eating, the chemistry that makes them up. I think that's very, very important. And um, you know, I think there's a lot of leadership that does have to take place because mm-hmm. that, you know, even I have a young, young man in my life, you know, now 17. Oh my gosh. Um, but they didn't ever teach how to listen to your body in school. I didn't learn it. You didn't learn it. Nobody has been taught how to communicate with their body, let alone what makes their liver work or not work. Or what their liver's for. I mean, they're pulling out organs left and right. You mm-hmm. don't need a gallbladder. You don't need an appendix. Mm-hmm. They're just extra. So I think there's a lot of education that that needs to get queerified as opposed to, mm, I just feel like the alternative medicine model has also bought out and sold out and become corrupted. Oh, is that is that what you're challenging me on? That's what I'm challenging you okay, on. Okay, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. I think we're, I hear us saying the same thing, maybe slightly different terms. I I agree with you. I think the holistic medicine, I mean, I think it's like way out of control. Way out of control. Um, 
So I, I, I very much agree and hear what, what you're saying. Um, and I, as a practitioner, for me, it is about education. It is about meeting someone where they're at and looking at them as a whole person. And like, why do, why do you do the things that you do? Like, why do you lead your life in this way or that way or, or whatnot? Like, let's, let's actually have like a whole conversation about that. And like, you know, like, um, I mean, limp is like a primary thing. I mean, that's probably what I talk with clients about the most. It's, um, so what is your limp system? Yeah. So our lymphatic system, you know, um, which is, uh, you know, ties into our immunity, the way that our body, um, state keeps from getting sick, from getting run down. Um, the, what gives us energy, what gives us the ability to fight disease or illness. Um, and you know, oftentimes people have no idea what a lymph node is, you know, those little, um, pearls in our, our rivers of the body. Um, or that we have to move our lymph, that the lymph doesn't actually move on its own. We have to do that through deeper breathing or through movement or through laughter or singing or sex or whatever that, that activity is. And um, so, you know, that's just like a very primary conversation I have with people, but, you know, access to knowledge is everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, people, I know, like, um, I went on this fantastic backpacking trip this last summer and followed a river, you know, from start basically till end and, and watched the way the water moved and, and how the terrain changed and stuff. And, um, uh, until I had access to that experience, my connection to that, to that, water to that, you know, um, was so very different. I didn't think about how water comes out of my faucet and things as much until I actually got to experience that river flowing. And so I feel like it's very similar with education around our bodies is that we just, until we have access to that education, like we, we, can't change what we don't know necessarily, you know, or can't do something different if we, if we don't know or have tools or access to be able to do something different. So on that note, yeah, you know what I'm going to ask you, which is great. I want to have access to something different. Will you give us some tools for either working with our lymph or mm. um, like what tools would you give to your queer community so that they can take charge of their bodies? Mm. <sighs> well, yeah, I, lo- I love the topic of limp. Um, so. And. And maybe, Sonia, start with with defining it, because I do think not everybody knows what the lymphatic system is. And I don't, I think even tying it into the river walk, because it is a river. It's a whole circulatory system in our body for our immune system that is unknown. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so just like one, like really amazing practice that I love and that I love to teach people and is a very traditional practice in Ayurveda is called Abhyanga. So Abhyanga both moves the lymph and it also very much settles the nervous system. And it's something that you can have a practitioner do. Like you could come into my office and you could see me and I can do that for you, but you can also do it for yourself. And what happens with Abhyanga is a couple multiple things. One is it literally moves the lymph as you're doing it. And it also has you like touch your body, which mm-hmm. automatically starts to move the lymph. Touch, even the lightest of touches, automatically stimulates that lymph. It automatically starts to stimulate that, um, that parasympathetic response in, in the body. And so, um, like after a shower is when I usually will do, do, um, Abhyanga for myself. And I'll just take a little bit of, I love to take sunflower oil because it's one, one of the most inexpensive oils. Um, and also it's what's considered tridoshic, meaning that it, it mostly will work on anyone. And so I like to take a little bit of oil I run a little more oily, so I don't love a ton, but some people just want to like, you know, like lather themselves in it. I encourage you to do that if that's you. (laughs) And, you know, I just, I start down at my feet and I just start to like rub that oil in to my skin. And the thing with the lymphatic system is you you need to move upward, right? Because all the lymph it, it pumps towards the heart and then down into the digestive tract. And so you really, you start to move that lymph upward in the body and you start to stimulate all of that amazing immunity that our bodies are designed to have. And simultaneously, we start to touch ourselves and feel our skin and just the cool thing about like a raw natural oil, like natural oil is that it literally soaks into the skin. So not only does the surface of the skin get that amazing oil, but it starts to penetrate more deeply and it goes into the, the deeper layers of skin. And so I feel like our touch does the same thing. It's like, when I started receiving massage back in my 20s and started practicing massage and body work shortly after, I, um, I noticed like, yeah, that, that touch, that ability to stabilize, that ability to connect with, I really have to be connected to myself first. So, um, and that to me is part of where, you know, I feel like these practices and stuff can be such a beautiful, way of creating connection and safety out in our more external world, but it, it really starts to first create that internally. Um, yeah. So I, I do love all of this for a practice and I do just, you know, as a person in the world, what, why does Ayurvedic is so into oil? Like, 
<laughs> I know, it's, right? It's like oilinate, oilinate, more oil. All the what, time. what is that about? Well, yes, that is true. Um, in a way that I think can be a little bit on the westernized side. I mean, Ayurveda is into a lot of things. Um, <laughs> we use a lot of oil, both in you know places like India and things. Um, they also use a lot of oil there, but I think we definitely really fixate and focus on it here. And partially the thing with oil is it's a nutritive and it's very, very, what we would call Vata pacifying. And Vata is like your ether air state, right? Or even Pitta pacifying, which is more your fire or sometimes fire water state. And so culturally, we have, you know, quite a bit of dominance in vata and pitta in certain ways. And so that oil is so satiating to the nervous system and so hydrating and um, so cooling at times. Uh, so it's, it's really a profound remedy in certain ways to balance out um, a culture of, of dryness, of, um, almost like, um, overaction. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ayurveda in general really does love oil, which actually isn't my favorite part of it. But. <laughs> no, but I think it's really an awesome practice that you're bringing in because one, we're doing the touch and connection to self mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and feeling your body, which is everything you were just talking about. Two, yeah. we're moving the lymph which is really important in these times where people are concerned about flus and viruses Yes, um, and moving the lymph back towards our heart and the major pumps. Yes. And then third, the oil and oilination is a way of helping the body um, tonify. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so I think you, you know, you naturally just kind of intuitively wove all these pieces together through the oil. And I, you know, I think it's a wonderful way to go. I really do. I think it's lovely. Yeah. Particularly in the winter when it's dry. I'm sorry, but we all could use a little more oil in the dry. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like, you know, it's, um, it's a buffer too, right? Like, um, anything that hydrates us more gives us more of a, almost like a buffer in the world. Like, but like a, a bit of a softer buffer, you know, um, kind of like, I mean, this may also sound woo, but Ayurveda is so energetic in, in so many ways too. It's very much based on energy, um, but it, it trickles into the physical body. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a buffer for that, like electromagnetic field or our psyche, you know, when we're it's like we're protecting our skin, but at the same time, leaving it open for connection. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. That's incredible. I, I think yeah. it's a great thing to add to our toolbox. Um, I know that we're ending the near of our time and I want to invite people, you know, we barely touched all of the wonderful gifts that you bring to the world. So if you would um, tell us how we can reach you and what you're up to and all of those things. Yeah, thank you. 
Well, you can check me out on Instagram under Hari Cook. Um, and I'm starting to work on some website things. Um, I worked in a clinic for quite a while and now I'm kind of starting to branch off in in different directions. So Instagram would be the best place right Spell now. It out for us. Not everybody knows. Mm-hmm. H-A-R-I-C-O-O-K. Um, and as far as what I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm kind of in a more development stage. Um, I'm really starting to put more energy towards some relational coaching and soundscape, um, experiences and events. Um, and just, I've kind of been taking a bit of a a pause from Ayurveda to look at, um, just, the many layers of um, one practicing Ayurveda as a white body person, but also um, just reassessing what it means to me and how the foundations of it um, are moving, how I'm moving forward with it. So both as far as, um, you know, uh, both in a relational way and also just in a basic wellness um, way. And um, if you're seeking relational coaching, that's something that I'm really inspired and excited about right now. So I'm going to break this down just in my little structural way because I'm such a structural girl. You can do um, relational coaching, not just in relationship to there you go. people. But you can also do coaching in relationship to the environment. So when she's talking, absolutely, when they are talking relational, they're talking relational to environment as well as humans. I'm going to pause us. Yes. Anything else you want to say that you're like, I didn't get to say, I want to put this out. Drink a cup of cold Tulsi tea if you can. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. I'm a big tea drinker. That's a wonderful way to go out. Okay, much Thank you for being on here. You've been listening to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing. For more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast, check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>